There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. It's questions from the audience today, and I am looking forward to this because, you know what, I'm sitting here with Gangster Pete in the Com studios, and I said, hey, we flip-flopped things this week, pick six, where producer Joe, G-Unit, and I uh, either do really well one week or really horrible the next week. Uh, we recorded that on Wednesday, so that's up for your gambling pleasure. Uh, and usually questions from the audience on Wednesdays. Now, some of you might be listening to this like three months later. Um, and so in that capacity, usually questions from the audience is uh, evergreen. Um, but in this case, I'm going to do one that is uh, at least start out with this because I see questions are flying in on the TMA fan page. Uh, but, uh, the, the, the specific, and I guess when it gets down to it, you can never go wrong doing in St. Louis. Um, and that is discussing the Cardinals as you're sitting here with what, two weeks left in the regular season, I guess approximately and observing this because I can, and it's a weird thing. Uh, and, it, and I just kind of thought everybody was this way, but I guess not. And I guess it's a good thing for what I do for a living, but it's, but I also acknowledge it's really weird and it's really weird when I'm like talking to the guys who actually played in these games and I rattle things off and they look at me like what, like they don't look at my, they don't look at me like, Oh, that's impressive. You know, they're like, Oh God, something's wrong with you. That's fucked up. You remember what happened in the eighth inning of game four, but I do. And it's weird, but because I do, I can give some historical context on where things are at this moment for the 2018 Cardinals, compare and contrast it, and give some observations that perhaps uh, can get you ready slash fired up for the final couple weeks of the season. And how I would get you ready for something is beyond me, but it's one of those things we say in broadcasting that we just hope nobody ever calls us on. So that's what this is going to start off with. And as questions continue to fly in, uh, maybe one of those will catch me. Uh, and I will address it as well. But it's going to be Cardinal-centric out of the gate, and I'll just kind of nerd out on it. Maybe you'll enjoy it. Maybe you'll agree. Maybe you'll disagree. I don't know. But let me make sure I say this. Without Ryan Kelly, I wouldn't be able to do questions from the audience. I wouldn't be doing a podcast, period. He is the Home Loan Expert, and he is the sponsor of the studios on the Tim McKernan Show online at thehomeloanexpert.com. I assume there is a very good chance that if you're listening to this that you have some kind of device in front of you or in your pocket that you could go to and go to thehomeloanexpert.com right now. So if you could, do that. Now, I bet about 1.3% of you did it, but I'm going to pretend like all of you are doing it. And when you do it, you'll realize that the website that Ryan Kelly's staff has designed couldn't make it more simple. And really, that is the key uh, to make it easy for the potential customer. And when you go there, you're going to see, click on the tab for refinance, click on the tab for purchase. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you, and you're going to find this out when you go there, that A, it couldn't be more simple, but B, you couldn't be in a better spot. Because if you're going to buy a home, that's who you want to do business with. And if you want to refinance, especially to pay off credit card debt, that's the place to go. That's the beginning of the process. That's what's going to put your mind at ease. 
thehomeloanexpert.com. With rates low and home values high, there is that sweet spot to get money on your home and pay off credit card debt and start from scratch. Do it with Ryan Kelly online at thehomeloanexpert.com, our studio sponsors here on the Tim McKernan Show. So with regard to the 2018 Cardinals, in July on the Ryan Kelly morning after, uh, I recall saying often that I wish the Cardinals would sell and start from scratch because this team has a 1% chance of winning the World Series, which really might have been liberal. And I and I, I did an appearance on KMOX with uh, Chris Raby, and he asked, you know, what's the best case scenario for the Cardinals? And I said, well, I mean, to win the World Series. But I said, let me expound, because if somebody were just to quote that, they'd go, what? I, I said, they, they have a 1% chance of winning the World Series. They probably have a better probability of finishing in last place in the National League Central, which I realize as I say these words on September 13th, 2018, that sounds comical. But saying the Cardinals had a chance to win the World Series in July was even more comical. That's how far off the rails it was. Now, I have been a Cardinal fan and really kind of, um, I don't know what the right word would be. Obsessive, I don't think is the right word. Super nerdy would definitely be a good uh, phrase but following it very closely and in borderline unhealthily as I've aged uh, to the point that I can remember years and games and rosters and plays, uh, you know, like rattle off like, you know, the 87 NLCS and like, yeah, they won game six and they won game seven, but that's because they fell behind in the series in San Francisco and Bob Forge threw at Jeffrey Leonard and it changed the whole series in game three or four or something like that. And it's a weird thing. And then guys who are on the team go, wow, man, that's cool that you know that, except I know internally they're going, wow, what a nerd. But I do remember these things. And I say that because I want to provide this context. A team in my, what are we talking about here? 36-ish years of being a fan has never surprised me more with their regular season turnaround than this one. And honestly, it's not even close. Now, I'm sure what many would do would go, well, what about 2006 or what about 2011? Those are great examples, and they're also relatively fresh as far as uh, people's memories would go. And especially for those of you in your 20s um, who know nothing or obviously wouldn't remember about the, the teams in the 80s, you know, it's, it's good that we can point to something that's, that you could remember. The 2006 team was a team that was really good at the start of the season. You can go to baseballreference.com and see their record like a month and a half in. They were really good, and then they got really hurt. And rarely do you have it happen that a team is on the verge of pissing away a huge lead, uh, and then everybody gets healthy, and then they go on a world championship run. I don't I don't think that's happened before. Um, usually, if that happens, where a team is fading in September – more often than not, you're going to see that team get shipped pretty quickly in the playoffs. And I can use the 2009 Cardinals as, as an example. Uh, I still say, and nothing, I guess, is going to change my mind on this, that the 2009 Cardinals were one of the best teams of my lifetime, one of the best Cardinal teams of my lifetime. But they got swept by the Dodgers, partially because Matt Holiday dropped a ball that would have ended the game and they would have won game two. Uh, but in part, they just didn't play well. But if you look at September of 2009, for as great as the Cardinals were entering September of 2009, and I think like the first week or so of that month, they just fell apart. They didn't really have much of a motivation. They were ahead in the division by a big margin. 
And I remember the phrase from a lot of people locally in media was, well, they'll flip the switch, which t- struck me as more of an optimistic, hopeful slant than, yes, we have seen plenty of teams, quote, flip the switch over the years because you don't see it. If anything, you see a switch flip and then that's on and then that team goes on a run. 04 uh, Red Sox, 11 Cardinals would be perfect examples of that. Um, so with that all said, the 2011 Cardinals got hot and carried it over into the playoffs, but it didn't take place until, you know, September, but it carried it over for a team like this one to just suddenly turn it around like they have and have it happen, you know, right after the trade deadline where they did nothing, but really unload the guy who was their best offensive player last year is just, to me, it's mind-blowing. So then you go, okay, well, let's start here. What caused it? And understandably, a lot of people are going to go, well, Mike Matheny was the manager, and I would agree that's part of it. But I would also say if you look at the roster on June 30th versus the roster on, like, August 5th, you won't even recognize it. Uh, and, and in particular, to take it a step further, and again, it's always awful. It's the, both the Matheny and Fowler criticisms can come off the wrong way, and they're not intended because they're not, they truly aren't personal. If anything, I like both guys. Uh, I don't know Dexter uh, as well as I know Mike, but I know him, emailed with him, and uh, about possibly doing a podcast. As a matter of fact, that's why I'm emailing with. I don't just like fanboy out and say, hey, Dexter, got your email. I'm Tim. I do a show. Ask him about doing a podcast, talking to his agents, the whole thing. So, anyway, uh, it's just he wasn't performing. And so he was in there every day, and that was hurting the team because you had, you know, I don't want to say it was a sure out, but mathematically, 82% of the time, he wasn't going to get a hit. So that's a problem. Uh, If there were communication issues in the clubhouse, that falls on the manager's shoulder. But he also was having to deal with a roster that's a hell of a lot different than the one now. Now, some people would say, well, they were able to go younger because Mike Schilt's more comfortable managing younger players than Mike Matheny was. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I just know that the roster is a lot different than the one that Mike Matheny had. But who possibly could have predicted you know, I always like to go back to spring training when we're sitting at the picnic table that you would have had a spot where the rotation would be, I mean, you know, the rotation that we we're talking about in spring training, if I can do it from memory, certainly was Carlos Martinez, certainly was Alex Reyes, certainly was Michael Waka, uh, certainly was Adam Wainwright, even though that might sound like an optimistic perspective at the time, and it was Miles Michaelis. And now here we are, as I say these words to you, it's September 13th, and of that rotation that I cited, Martinez, Reyes, Waka, Wainwright, uh, and Michaelis, there's one guy left. And yet the team is performing even better than they were when that rotation, without Reyes, because he never really got going, was the Cardinal rotation. And it's like, honestly, for as much as I follow the team, there are, there are some names in there that I didn't know at the time. I'm sure I walked past them in Jupiter, Florida, and had no idea who they were. And they're the ones that you would go, God, if the ball, you know, if you got a, if you got a one-game playoff against the Cubs or Brewers, the ball's in Jack Flaherty's hands. It's an insta-call. Carlos Martinez is the closer. And so what this, what this season, which certainly is a mathematical outlier, has put in front of me as a guy who's hosted a radio show in the market and done television in the market, you know, going back almost 20 years now is, you know, I used to do the show with Jim Edmonds 
And I cite it often because Edmonds would say things that from a radio listener standpoint or as a co-host standpoint, you go, oh, dude. But you know what? It was always honest. It just it kind of it kind of stopped the discussions because what he would say, like, if I'm getting all fired up about something, he goes, well, yeah, I understand what you're saying. He goes, but neither one of us are in the clubhouse every day, so we really don't know what's going on. And I go, okay, I mean, you're 100% right, but it's fun to speculate even though it's completely irresponsible. And then also he would say something along the lines when I'd be getting all fired up in April about something. He goes, well, you know, that's the way that it is now, but look at some of the other Cardinal teams that have wound up doing really well, and, and they weren't doing great at the start of the season, so let's wait till September and see what happens. And I'm like, yeah, that's 100% true also. But, uh, it's more fun to bitch about things. But he's right. This, however, is something I could not have predicted. Uh, on July 31st, they traded Tommy Pham at around 9.50 in the morning. At least that's when the news broke. And so I truly thought that that was going to be the beginning of for the first time, and I don't know how long, I don't even know if I can think back to a time where the Cardinals unloaded at the trade deadline from a selling perspective. I thought that was the first domino. And then 3 o'clock Central rolls around, and they've done nothing else outside of their annual uh, summer solstice trade with the Indians for somebody you've never heard of. And I'm going, what what, you know, what the hell are they doing? And I was watching Greg Amsinger, St. Louis and Lindenwood guy, uh, on the set of the MLB Network with Harold Reynolds, and I can't recall who else was on there, but it was him and Reynolds who went back and forth. And Amsinger gets all fired up, and he's like, if you're going to do this, then why not trade Why not trade Molina? Why not trade Carpenter? Why not trade Ozuna? And Harold Reynolds goes, you trade Molina? And he goes, they're still going to show up. It doesn't matter. They're still going to show up. And he was kind of in holding accountable mode. But it was a fascinating view. I tweeted it out. A lot of people liked it. And I knew that I'd be on the air the next morning, and I knew I was going to play that, but I wanted to have a more informed uh, perspective. So I texted John Mazalock at 10.30 that night. I think the Cardinals had lost to the Rockies. And I said, hey, on your way home, if there's any way you can give me a call, I know you have zero interest in doing it, but I know we're going to talk about the trade deadline. I'm just going to try and understand what you guys were thinking because when you trade FAM, I thought it was going to be one thing, and then it wound up being a totally different thing. So he calls me, and we start BSing about it, and, you know, the thing that stood out to me most was and still is this. It's not like he saw this coming. Um, what he did want to do is give the young players an opportunity to play to see what they had really for 2019. Now, in fairness, I said, did you ever think about, you know, trading Carpenter and trading Ozuna? My reasoning being which would really upset some people on social media, which was not my intent. It was just going, okay, their values, at least in Carpenter's case, might be as high as they'll ever be. Uh, and yeah, I know it would upset the fan base, but you know, it's 2016, 2017, 2018, we're looking very similar to each other. And unload assets, do what you did with the Red Sox and unload Alan Craig, you know? Uh, so he said, no, 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 no. He goes, we can still win. And I said, and I remember exactly what I said. I said in 2018 and he goes, well, he goes, if we can get hot, which then made me laugh because if you listen to the Ryan Kelly morning after you've heard Doug Vaughn say now for a few years, if we can get hot, we can win this baby. And I was going, Oh my God, I was saying what Doug says, if we can get hot, we can win this baby. But it was more about there. It's not like they're that far away for 2019. That's not what he said. But that's what I took it because the, the evaluation process for 2019 was going to begin in earnest by getting these guys playing time. And by Tommy Pham not having a spot, one of the guys like Bader or O'Neill were going to get playing time uh, in addition to some of these young arms. 
And so that mindset is what opened the door for the surge that led to one of the most successful Augusts in the franchise's history. And that's just not usually the way that it works. In 2006, when you look back on it, the surge in October was the byproduct of health. In 2011, the surge was the byproduct of a trade, albeit, I mean, if you're ranking exciting trades in in Cardinal history since 2000, I don't even know if it'd be in the top 25. But when you look back on it now, trading away Colby Rasmus and trading for Mark Zipchinski, Octavio Dotel, Edwin Jackson, and uh, Corey Patterson, who I think only was responsible for that brush fire that Calvin May asked Tony LaRusso about in, in putting it out, that changed the dynamic of the team. Now, it didn't instantaneously do it, but it pieced together a bullpen that had been a debacle, and then it set the stage for Jason Mott becoming the closer. Now, similar to 06 and similar to 11, the guy who was the closer in July is no longer the closer in September. See what took place in 2006 with Jason Isringhausen to Adam Wainwright. See what happened in 2011 with Fernando Salas to Jason Mott. And see now what has happened with Bud Norris to Carlos Martinez. Uh, now, I'm not saying, look at 2018, here's another world championship, but I am saying there are some similarities. It's just the difference here is it's a roster that's overhauled across the board in so many different spots that has led to this team having the success that they've had. So now as you sit here, and as we do sit here and, and have this uh, very one-sided conversation, and you look at the standings, and you know the Cardinals still have three with the Brewers and three with the Cubs, uh, they are three and a half back of the Cubs for the division and two and a half back of the Brewers for the, the first wild card. I mean, at this point, the Cardinals might not even get into the wild card spot. The Cardinals might win the National League Central with the best record in the National League. That is our delta. That is how wide it is. That is also unprecedented. And I think it would be fair to say that you could say Braves, Cubs, Brewers, Cardinals, Rockies, Dodgers, Diamondbacks, any of them could win the National League pennant. I don't believe I've been able to say that on September 13th uh, ever, uh, in, 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 in this deep into the season that you could rattle off that many teams that legitimately have a shot. I think at this point, it's fair to say that the Phillies have, have fallen out of that category, but just a few days ago, you could have included them in there as well. So then you look at the, the American league and the playoff spots are pretty much already done. It's already pretty much determined. You already know it's going to be the Red Sox, Indians and Astros, uh, as division winners, unless the A's can catch them and then the Yankees and A's in the wild card spot. And if it's not the Astros win the division, it'd be the A's. And then you look at those teams and you go, God, all of those teams, I think everybody would say this, are all better than any of the seven I rattled off in the National League. At the same time, I don't know, you know, you would go, well, the Red Sox are the favorite. Now, I, I, would, I would agree with that. Um, but the Red Sox do have some question marks. The health of Chris Sale the bridge between their starters and, and Craig Kimbrell. Uh, and, and man, if there's anything we've seen over the last few years, you think of that Royals team, for example, in 2015 is the importance of a bullpen in particular to make it a six inning game in the postseason. And I would even take it back to 2011 with the Cardinals, even though I don't think it was a strategy and it became a necessity when Tony LaRusso had to yank every single fucking starter in the world series, not named Chris Carpenter after like two and a thirds inning. Edwin Jackson, Jaime Garcia, Kyle Loesch, I don't know who's starting, but I know they weren't lasting. So I wonder about that with the Red Sox. You know, that that's the thing that I wonder about, and I'm not real sure how good the Indians are and how much their success is a byproduct of being in this horrible division. The second-place team in the American League Central, as we speak, is 21 games under 500. 
how just fucking horrible is that? That's like unheard of. The second place team uh, is 11 games. I apologize. Under 500. Everybody in the division is at least 10 games under 500. So how good are the Indians? Uh, and then how good will the Astros be? And what would the A's be like uh, if they do actually get in there and get past the Yankees, assuming those are the two teams that play in the wild card game? So I look at it and I see a wide delta for the Cardinals. The thing that I wonder about is what could actually transpire here with how it would play out. There's a really good chance that the Brewers win this division. Um, they, you know, I mean, the, the current playoff per- percentages, Cubs are at 99.7%, Brewers are at 98.2%, Cardinals are at 65.7%. Um, but when it comes to winning the division, I mean, it is up for grabs. Three and a half games is going to be tough to make up, but the Cardinals do get to play each one of those teams twice, and it's in the final week of the season. The Cardinals do get to play the Giants, who are an absolute disaster as we speak. They've lost 11 in a row, and they do get heads up against the Dodgers. Uh, for four, and it starts this weekend in Bush Stadium. So with that all said, I kind of like, one of the things I like to do is like look at what I think will wind up happening. And I got to tell you, I think the Cardinals legitimately have as good of a shot as any team, which is so messed up because I was so wrong on July 31st. Now, I don't think there were a lot of people saying you're so wrong on July 31st when I was saying trade Carpet or trade Ozuna. Uh, But I'm just in awe of like how it could turn around that quickly and how rare it is. And how uh, it can cut both ways, because now you have a third year to go along with 2006 and 2011, where you might want to pull the plug on a sell at the trade deadline, and then you'll go, well, remember what happened in 2006? Remember what happened in 2011? Remember what happened in 2018? But still, I would rather have this scenario that the Cardinals are yet again for the 19th straight year, giving Cardinal fans at least a competitive sweat in September. And more than likely going to at least get in the wild card game, although that is definitely not a sure thing. And what would you rather see? Um, Well, I can tell you this. You could have a situation where you have the Cardinals and Cubs playing a one-game playoff either at Bush Stadium, more likely at Wrigley Field. You could have that. What would that be like? I mean, still, 40 years later now, Red Sox and Yankees fans still talk about Bucky fucking Dent, as he's known in Boston, hitting a home run in a one-game playoff for the American League East and beating the Red Sox. Uh, A Red Sox team that was very good, by the way. That's a team that was, you know, right there playing with the Big Red Machine in the World Series, and that kind of began the Yankees' run of a few years. Um, And then you take a look at what that would be like. Everything on the line, one game to get into the NLDS. That's what you could be looking at. The other thing is because all of these teams' records are so close, that you could have what we didn't have in 2015. You could have a Cardinals and Cubs NLCS. That is a possibility uh, because the Braves or the Rockies, Dodgers, I guess Diamondbacks, could wind up with the best record in the National League, which would then mean if the Cardinals were to win their series and the Cubs were to win their series, you could have the Cardinals and Cubs playing in NLCS, which is something that I always kind of like fantasized about. Uh, And now for the first time, it's actually at least in some capacity, a possibility. It's certainly an unlikelihood, but my God, this entire season has been an unlikelihood. Uh, so when I look at it all, I'm I'm thrilled by it, but candidly, I'm confused by it. And it makes me go, what in the hell are we doing like the first four months of the season if the thing can entirely turn on a dime? And then when you attempt to prognosticate, you go, what in the hell am I doing? 
how did I miss it? But I, but the thing about the 2018 Cardinals is many of the players who have played a role in the 2018 Cardinals' success were not part of the 2018 St. Louis Cardinals for the first three or four months of the season. They were down at Memphis. And so from that standpoint, even if the worst-case scenario plays out and the Cardinals don't make the playoffs, and they don't get into the one-game playoff, um, from that standpoint... I now have a much better understanding and appreciation for what John Mazalek said on July 31st and specifically how wrong I was because clearly the team was not, is not that far away because of not what we saw in St. Louis, but because of what he knew they had at Memphis. And from that standpoint, that is super encouraging. It also makes me wonder what we were talking about in July all the time, the off season, which we never talk about now, which speaks volumes about how things have changed. If you can take yourself back to that. Uh, what the Cardinals would do in the offseason. Because when you look at the pitching staff, you go, God, it's kind of set. Now, you're inevitably going to deal with injuries, but it's kind of set, and that's a really nice place to be in. I mean, it's and it's, it's set with young, young arms. Uh, I wonder if Carlos Martinez is now a closer, if this is just a, you know, John Smoltz-esque thing that took place in 2003, and then he went back to being in the rotation. Um so then does that mean that they are super aggressive for a free agent for the lineup? And that's kind of where I think it's going. So in that capacity, uh, I don't go into the offseason as a Cardinal fan going, I wonder what they can do to get this thing right and how many years it's going to take versus this is going to be pretty damn exciting because I feel like they might only be a piece away. Uh, and perhaps move all in to get one of these pieces. Now, does that mean Bryce Harper? Don't know. I'm sure most people go, God, absolutely not. Some people might go, God, I hope not, because I think it's going to cost so much money and be an albatross of a contract. I don't want him to do it. But what what, what are they going to do with Dexter Fowler? You know, I mean, is that going to be a deal where you're just unloading him, essentially like just picking up everything, a Mike Leak kind of situation? Um, because I don't see Harrison Bader and Marcelo Zuna going anywhere. Um so, I don't know. Is Bryce Harper in right field? I'm not saying I expect it. I just remember when Derek Gould came in for our State of the Cardinals on, on, on August 1st, I think is when we did it, or August 2nd. He felt like Bryce Harper was the one that was much more likely than Manny Machado. Not to say that, that means he's likely, just when you compare the two, that's where he was. So, over the next couple of weeks, what transpires will determine, of course, what takes place for the Cardinals in, in October, but it also will determine where they go in the off season. And I guess my main takeaway from it is first off, we can't predict for shit. When I say we, I mean, I can't blame anybody else. You know, this is my analysis and I was just wrong as can be. I think it's the wrongest I've been, although many of you might be able to point out other things in my broadcasting, uh, career, as far as online, uh, predictions of what was going to happen. I mean, I couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, so you know, feel free to dig into the vault and say, no, you really fucked this one up here. And remember this, you fucked that one up even more. So maybe I'm off. Team McKernan inside STL.com. Maybe we can go through the Mount Rushmore of my uh, fucked up predictions. Um, but uh, I'm I'm stunned by it. I'm thrilled by it. I'm stunned by it. Um, you're welcome to email anytime. Team McKernan inside STL.com. What do you expect to happen? Um, and what would your preference be? We, we talked about it a little bit on the Ryan Kelly morning after. Would you rather have the one game playoff 
essentially a game seven with the Cardinals and Cubs, or would you rather have an NLCS? And everybody instantaneously said NLCS, and I guess that's right, but the NLCS might not have the drama. Now, if you get a names, game seven of the NLCS with the Cardinals and Cubs, holy shit. God. I mean, and if that game is at Bush Stadium, is that the... I mean, I know. I mean, you'd have to say Game Seven of the 2011 World Series, but I don't know. I, I showed up to Game Seven of the 2011 World Series, going, "Yeah, the Cardinals are winning the World Series tonight." You know, I think kind of like Royals fans probably showed up to Kaufman in 1985 or Game Seven, going, "Yeah, after Game Six, we're winning the World Series tonight." So Cardinals and Cubs with everything on the line at Busch Stadium, would that be the most signature game? I guess it has to be second to Game Seven of the World Series. How can you beat that? But uh, second most, I think it would be. Uh, with everything on the line. Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com is how you can always communicate. You also can submit questions for questions from the audience. We are very grateful to Mark Hanna for sponsoring this. Uh, he is online at evergreenstl.com. Uh, I've gotten to know him over the last few months, and I really want our audience to get to know him. I I don't know. I, I, this one, I guess, is really personal for me because I screwed up so badly managing my finances. And I know that if I had somebody like Mark Hanna, I wouldn't have screwed up as badly as I did. So I kind of really want to help you guys. Uh, but I realize you're like, well, you're doing a spot. So you're probably just doing and saying this stuff because you're doing a spot. And I get that. Listen, that's a fair that's a fair observation. Uh, but I'm telling you with great sincerity that this is a phone call or a website you want to check out. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. Uh, I mismanaged my money in my 20s and 30s, and I didn't know any better. I think if I, and that's the thing, I don't think. If I would have known better, if somebody gives me a playbook, I follow it. Um, I always talk about Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, the book, and how that got me going, working out better. Uh, I just needed a playbook. Well, if I would have had somebody going, hey, you know, you're doing this with your money. You know, Poker Stars is great, moron. But here, why don't you do this? Uh, you need this. You got to do this. And it only do, it only costs you, you know, this to do it each month to set this aside. Oh, I mean, it's just a miss. And you can't go back and get that time. Do it right. Let Mark set you straight. Let him organize it for you. He's going to help you get organized. If you know what you have, you can make good decisions about what to get what you want. And the one-page financial picture Mark Hanna at Evergreen Wealth Strategies can give you is called an asset map, and it's easy to understand, and you can see what you need to address. His goal is to understand you, understand your situation, and help you figure out your options. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com, evergreenstl.com. That's Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Uh, let's see. I said I would go with one other question. I, I, I posted it right as I was starting and then I kind of went on my cardinal tangent. Um, let's see. Tick tock, tick tock. There are some really good ones here. So I feel badly now because I'm not going to address any of them on this episode. We'll save them for a future one. Um, I will talk about, uh, and this could be awkward, but I'll take my chances because I said I'll talk about something that might be awkward. Uh, as someone with siblings, do you feel the need to have more than one child? People like when we go personal, so I'll go personal. I'll try and satisfy and give red meat. Uh, it's a great question. Um, my wife is an only child. I have two brothers and I have one sister. And um, I can only speak to what it's like to have siblings. I can only speak to what it's like to be the oldest. I know this. As some of you may know, and some of you may have zero clue because you just started listening, when my wife found out she was pregnant in December 2016, both of us couldn't have been more surprised because we were told we couldn't have children. 
So it's one of those weird spots that I guess on the age spectrum, I'll be like in the older category of, of fathers and parents. Uh, my wife's uh, eight years younger than me. Um, so she'll be, she won't have what I'll have going on. But I mean, it's not like it was, it was like a choice, you know? I mean, it was, it's what, it was the hand that we were dealt. So it's one of those things that people like to kind of bust balls about it, I guess, every once in a while. But I mean, it's not like, I'm like, yeah, no, I want to be 40 when I have my first child. However, I will tell you this for me personally, and this isn't for everybody. This is a case by case thing. For me personally, I'm glad that I had our, we had our first child older because with what we've dealt with with the show and some of the things off the air over the years, and I'm going back, you know, 14 years, uh, it, we pro- I probably would have never either started inside STL or kept inside STL, and I wouldn't have been able to make some kind of calculated risk plays that I made that kept the show together um, had I had children at the time. So... I, I'm in that sense. I'm glad that that there weren't other dependents who had to experience some of the shit that we've dealt with. Uh, so I do think about that. I also think I, of course, you would hope to be with age wiser um, about what is what I think anyway for me that I want to pass along to my son and perhaps other children, uh, as opposed to what I think I would have been instructing, advising at, at thirty. Um, and I, th- of course, I think it's a better perspective. If I didn't, I would go back to what I was thinking when I was 30. And it's just really about just happiness. And you also, here's the thing, and I don't know how you guys feel about it. You're listening to this. People say it, and I hate when they say it. It's kind of like, oh, when, when you have a kid, and then they, they see and they already have kids, and they go, oh, it goes fast. And you're just like, oh, you know, sweet, you know. Um, but whatever. I know they're not saying it to be dicks or anything like that. It's just one of the things that parents say to new parents, I guess. I am going to go out of my way to hopefully never say that to anybody. Uh, but I can say life, I feel like goes fast and, and, and you're just like in your twenties and maybe even thirties, just like, yeah, I mean, I have 200 years left, so I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to kind of fuck off. And then all of a sudden you go, okay, um, you kind of peer into the valley of mortality when you have a child and go, oh, let me do the math here. Wow. Okay. You know, if the math is good, I have this much time left. Uh, and the math can be bad. And so I really want to maximize this. And then you realize, as I think I've said a few times, I look back and I go, God, I can picture 21 years old, you know, that's 20 years ago. And it really doesn't feel that long ago at all. Cause I'm like, it's been 20 years since I anchored my first sports cast, 20 years. Uh, I was 21 when I anchored my first sports cast and it doesn't feel like, I mean, it doesn't even feel like five years. So if, if that 20 years felt that brief, then the, the upcoming 20 years might feel even shorter. Uh, and, uh, that, that means I'm 61 and you, you know, I mean, I'm sure I looked at 41, like it was ancient when I was 21, but I certainly still look at 61 as being older and you're kind of getting ready to shut it down, or some people are getting ready to shut it down. I'm talking about living. I'm talking about building things. I like to try to build things anyway. And I go, oh my God, I mean, it's there. you're on the clock, but you're always on the clock. It's just now it's hit me that I'm on the clock. And so I, I would want to do something, you know, um, with regard to my son and potentially other children. There's, there's urgency. I remember like you're so gassed after like tending to an infant, and this is me as the dad who was still playing golf all the time much less my wife, 
you're like, okay, we had one, good, we'll take 10 years, enjoy that, and then we'll have the next one. And then you go, oh, that's not the way that it works. You know, it's game on. So uh, to answer the question, the answer is yes. Uh, we would love to have more kids. It's just, it's a, for us personally, although I'm sure plenty of you listening to this can relate, you know, you deal with infertility issues or whatever the case might be. Sometimes, contrary to what people who don't deal with those issues uh, don't understand is that it's not necessarily an option. You know, I mean, we were told we couldn't have kids. So the fact that we had one child, we're thrilled with. So if we were able to have two, I mean, we'd be incredibly excited. I would love that. I personally would love that. But because I feel like we we hit a one-outer to have the child we have, I already feel like, you know, we we pulled off a monster upset to experience the, you know, the joy of parenting um, because we were, we were at a point where the doctor told us uh, you're at a point now where you need to start thinking about getting a surrogate or adopting. Uh, and so that's where we were. So, you know, to, to have a baby conceived naturally, uh, you know, was such an outlier that like, I'm like, yeah. And since, you know, we have that baby now, we'd like to have three more. I mean, I just, you know, I would, I'd be thrilled if we had more children. I just don't know how likely it is. I actually think we will. Um, but who knows? I don't know what the hell I'm talking about to answer the question. My answer is yes, but it's not because of any, like, oh, I don't want him to be an only child or, or any other reason or because I experienced having two brothers and a sister and our family is close. Um, it's not that it's just, I, I would love it for my wife to be able to, uh, to be a mother to, to at least another child. So I hope that answers the question, uh, as effectively as possible. I always appreciate the questions. I'm sorry that I didn't get to any of them just because I, uh, um, would love to answer more. And so I'll save them and we'll do it for a future questions from the audience. Thank you as always to James Carlton for sponsoring this thing. Uh, he has been uh, super helpful as uh, not just a client, but also as somebody I've been working with. Uh, if you're in front of your computer while you're listening to the Tim McKernan show, go to carltoninsurance.net right now and just get a quote to see what the good word is. If you can do that, I'm telling you, you're going to be happy you did. Uh, 314-961-4800. If you're buying a house, getting married or have a growing family, make sure your loved ones will be okay. If you don't make it home, call James at 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net to see just how inexpensive it is to protect your family through term life insurance. Although the worst is unlikely, none of us would leave the driveway without strapping our little tykes into a car seat. Life insurance is no different. Although it's not likely you don't make it home tonight, it's not a risk worth taking when it comes to providing for your loved ones. 314-961-4800 or apply online at carltoninsurance.net. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Ryan Kelly of thehomeloanexpert.com, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, and Johnny Landoff of Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet at I-270, and the Washington Elizabeth Exit and online 24-7 at landoff.com. Make the podcast possible. Please support the sponsors. Without them, we don't exist. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another edition of Questions from the Audience. Feel free to ask anything. I'm encouraging Weird questions or uncomfortable questions. I want those. You don't understand this. I'm asking for you to offend me. Now, if you do it in like, hey, motherfucker, remember this? Fuck you. Well, you're probably that's probably not going to lead to an answer. But if you're like, hey, you know, this happened, and I always wondered about this, or, you know, what about this? Because you say this, but I wonder about that. Come at it. That's fine. I, I like it because it might cause me to have to reexamine where I am or tell a story that you may not have heard but we're curious about. So, I mean, you know, all I can do is say, yeah, I can't talk about it for legal reasons or, you know, that's probably too personal, so I can't say. 
but fire away. Uh, open uh, open the email up and fire away. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.